So this morning is the climax of our four-week series entitled Homecoming. It's based around Jesus' parable of the two lost sons that are recorded for us in Luke's Gospel. And the word home will provoke all sorts of reactions depending on whether our experiences growing up have been good, bad or indifferent. Jesus' story that he tells in Luke chapter 15 evokes a deep longing for home in all but the hardest of hearts. Homecoming is a huge issue for us as a society. Too many live estranged from families they ought to be sharing life with. Society is full of broken homes causing an epidemic of heartbreak and loneliness. Meaningful and fulfilling relationships are few and far between. I was talking to someone only this week who was, was longing for relationship and was saying to me, Steve, I don't understand it. I thought we were supposed to be relational, crying out for relationship. I wonder whether it's why I find this image that we've used as part of our publicity for this series. I wonder why, whether it's, that's why it evokes such big feelings for me in my heart sense of homecoming, of being welcomed home by a father. And when all is said and done, home is not a place, it's a person. Something that we only actually ever appreciate when the person that we love is no longer around. A house never makes a home. And in Jesus' story, the wayward son who has run away from home comes to his senses and wants to return, not to a place, not to a village, not to a community. He comes home to the Father. Jesus' point is that God is our Father and we are all wayward sons longing for home. That's why this, series, this morning is entitled, The Father's Home. I've, I've changed, uh, we've, we've, we've given our house a name. I've wanted to do it for years. If you heard me a few weeks ago, you'll uh, understand a little bit of the background to that. But the reason is, Hiriaith in Welsh, it's a Welsh word, it doesn't translate very well into English, but what it means is a longing, a deep longing for home. And it struck home to me when uh, my uh, mother had died and I went back to the house in Swansea. Swansea had always been my home. And I got there to find that the house was cold and empty and it was no longer home. And so I, uh, since then I've thought a lot about it. And here I means, it's a word, Welsh word that means a lot to me. Longing for home, actually my home is, is not now in Chandler's Ford in Valley Park. Home for me is with my father. I have a father in heaven, and one day I will be with him forever. And there is a longing in my heart for
for him. And so the house really is a prophetic name, really. Hiriath means long, and I'm longing to be with my father. One day I will. These days that we have in this life are short. I want to enjoy every moment of them. I want to enjoy my family, and I want to enjoy my friends. I want to enjoy being amongst you. But there is something in me. It's a longing for home. Do you have a longing for home in your heart? If you do, it's something that God has done in you. We're going to read this story together. Let's read it together. This is Jesus' story. This is what he says. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Over the last weeks, we've looked at the characters in this story. Steve Lee focused on the younger son, this younger son who wandered away, dishonored his father in the community. He wanted his inheritance before his father was dead. It was tantamount to saying, I don't want you around anymore shameful in that society and after squandering his inheritance and squandering the money he ends up feeding pigs eventually he comes to his senses he decides to go home Jonathan talked about the attitude of the older brother we read at the end of this poignant story 
We saw that he was just as lost as his younger brother, even though it appeared on the surface that he wasn't. He appeared to do the right things, but in his heart of hearts, he was proud, angry, and judgmental. And his father pleads with him to come home. A few weeks ago, I focused on the person who is the main character in this story, the father. Despite both his sons being wayward and lost, there is no suggestion that this father is anything other than good. The point is this, God is the father. And we need to live our lives knowing that God is a good father. Do you know that God is a good father? Do you know deep in your heart of hearts that God is good and loves you? Whatever you've done, wherever you're at. You see, this theme of homecoming carries a prophetic edge. God is speaking to us, I believe, as a community through it. All of us have been and maybe still are like one of the two sons. Many of us have at some point been both. Yet the main point of Jesus' parable is that God wants us to be like him. He wants us to be like the father in the parable. God wants us to be his sons who live as his sons. Sons of the father, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. And more than that, he wants his church, his people to be a home for lost sons and daughters. And God's going to speak to us this morning about us being like him. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. God loves you and he wants you to reflect the family image. God wants us to know as a church what it means for us as Hope Church here in the center of Winchester to be the Father's home. And so this is a story that I want to use this story to draw out four things that characterize the Father. The first is this, the Father goes out to gather goes out together. I remember my sister, 15-year-old, perhaps 15, maybe 16, first boyfriend. I remember my dad um, being all over it like a rash. Um, he was, uh, she was, in fact, uh, the, the lad she, she, she went out with for the evening was someone I actually shared a house with when I was in university in Cardiff. And his name was Cookie. And, um, but Cookie couldn't drive. And so his friend, Graham, um, drove, and they all went out uh, uh, with a group. And my dad said, I want you home by, probably would have been something like half ten. Okay? And um, half past ten came, and she wasn't home. 
And um, if you have uh, young children, this probably will happen at some point. Uh, if you have older children, you know it's already happened, and you've been there, and you've got the T-shirt. And my dad was sort of on the edge of his seat, really uh, started to get a bit cross. And at probably about 11 o'clock, the car pulls up outside the house. And my dad, by now, had um, lost all semblance of calmness and went out and... Um, my, said to my sister, right, you go in, and then he decides that he's, so he's speaking to the person in the car. He's talking to the guy driving the car, saying, uh, you, my daughter was in your responsibility, I wanted you to bring her home on time. What he didn't know was the person driving the car wasn't the guy who invited her out. He's in the back seat. So my dad is addressing who he thinks is the right person, but it's the wrong person. And I remember years later, them laughing about it, and Cookie saying to me, oh, he said, I, I didn't mind, because Graham took all the... the <laughs> got all the row. And my dad had no idea. You see, Jesus, in this story, Jesus is speaking to two groups of people. He's speaking to those who are known for being religious, the Pharisees, and those who definitely weren't religious, tax collectors and sinners they're referred to. And it seemed like Jesus was talking to the tax collectors, but really he was talking to the Pharisees, the religious people. He's talking to these two groups who represent the two brothers in the story that we've just read. And the point of the story is the same for both. God is searching for people who are lost to him, and he wants them to come home. In the passage, both the sons are wayward. Both sons are lost to their father. Both are disrespectful, selfish, and proud. In the village where the father would have been held in high regard, their actions brought great shame on the community. Both sons. And as the story climaxes, as both sons, one approaching home and the other who's standing on the edge of home, the father does something extraordinary. The father does what any self-respecting father in that community wouldn't have done. The father goes out to them. He runs out to the younger son. He goes to the older son and he pleads with him. Potentially bringing great shame in the eyes of the community on himself. Great personal cost to his reputation. He goes out to both sons to gather them home. He knows the younger son. He probably knows his younger son may change his mind. He knows that he's going to get a rough ride from, potentially from the community. He knows that for the older brother that he's being standoffish, but the only person being hurt by it is the older brother. He's the one that's missing out. And so the father goes out and he goes to gather his sons, goes to bring his sons home. The Father's heart is to bring them in. And Jesus is beautifully reminding us of the Father's heart, God, His Father's heart, to gather people like us, wayward people like us. God created us. God breathed life into each one of us. In that sense, He is the Father of all creation. He is forever and will forever be our Father. He can't be anything else. That is who He is in the essence of His being. He is a good Father. 
And just like in the parable, all of us have wandered away. All of us have wanted to live without reference to God. All of us, uh, the Bible says, have wandered away. Isaiah says, we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has gone to his own way. All of us have been wayward. We've all turned our backs on the Father who created us and loved us. Equally, we can so easily be like the older brother, living near our Father, a semblance of religiosity, but deep down in our hearts, there's all sorts of things wrong. And this morning, God is the Father. God, our Father, who is seeking to gather us home. It's the big story of the Bible. Jesus came so that we might all know God as a Father. Jesus, the perfect image of God, we're told in Colossians 1 verse 15. It says, he says of himself that he came to seek and save that which was lost. And as he tells, as he says that, he's just had an encounter with a guy who was so lost. A guy called Zacchaeus, he's, Jesus has gone to Jericho. And, and as he's in Jericho, he's walking through and there's this guy, Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, just like the crowd that, uh, that were around Jesus when he told this parable in Luke 15. And he's, it's almost like the story's being relived a few weeks later. And Jesus is walking through and Zacchaeus wants to see him, but he's short. He's wealthy, but no one in the crowd will let him through because he's a tax collector. And he's defrauding people. And so the crowd don't want anything to do with him. And he's shunted to the back and he's ostracized, but he wants to see Jesus. So he climbs up a sycamore fig tree. And he just wants to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He's heard about him. Maybe there's this, there's this cry for home in his heart. He knows that he's a mess. He knows that he's not a good man. But he knows there's a hope, something within him crying, God, maybe, maybe Jesus could do something for me. And shocking to the crowd, Jesus stops. And he turns and he looks up into the tree. Nobody else may have noticed him. Jesus sees him. Jesus sought him out. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to come to your house today. And Zacchaeus invites Jesus to his home, but it was Zacchaeus who came home that day. Has an encounter with the living God and everything changed. You see, in this story, whilst the father goes out to them, running to one, pleading with the other, homecoming is dependent on a heart change. The father was willing to pay the price to bring them home, but they had to make the choice to respond to his grace, to his undeserved kindness. It speaks of what the Bible calls repentance, a change of heart, a change of direction. And both these sons have to not just change their heart, but they have to move towards the father. And the younger son has started doing that. He's coming home. He's come to his senses. He's thinking, maybe... Just maybe my father will have me back home. It's a beautiful picture of repentance, starting to walk to back towards the father. And the father won't shortcut it. The son has to come home. The father's watching for him. And at the first sign of him in the distance, the father runs to him. But the son has to have a change of heart. The older brother, the father goes to him and pleads to him, but he won't force him to come in. 
The older brother has to come in of his own volition. God is not looking for robots. He's looking for sons and daughters. You see, he will never compromise his goodness and spoil his home. The father will not compromise his goodness and spoil his home. He has been been willing to pay the ultimate price that he can bring us into his presence. He loves us so much, but he won't compromise his holiness. And we need to be changed. We need to be cleaned up. And that only happens through giving our lives to Christ. And maybe you've never done that. You can do that today. You can take the first step of coming home by turning to Christ. And we need to be a community that have the Father's heart, that when we see people starting to turn for home, we run to them, we embrace them, we help them press home through the shame and the potential opposition to come to know a Father. We're those who go out and plead with those who are on the fringes who seemingly won't respond. We plead with them, but we can't make them come home. They need to respond to themselves. But we're to be a community that goes out to gather. Secondly, we're to to be a community that is quick with grace. Quick with grace. I don't know. The phrase that stands out in this story is this. The son comes home and the father says, quick, get a robe, get a ring, get some sandals. Quick, get a fattened calf. Quick. The father is quick to respond. He's quick to respond. When someone turns to him, the father's quick. He runs to the younger son. Quick. Are we quick to embrace people with grace? Or do we delay as we measure people's genuineness? We don't see that with the father. The younger son had barely grasped anything of what the father's like. He's coming home thinking, well, maybe I can do a deal. I'll serve like a servant and maybe I'll be, he'll give me room and board. He, he hasn't really understood much of the father's heart, but the father's quick to embrace him with grace in all his muddled thinking. This is just a parable. It's just a story with meaning and it's it's dangerous to read too much into it. But I just want to say where where I think we can see some hints of where the father is quick. He's quick to forgive. The robe speaks of forgiveness. The son's old garments that he was wearing were symbols of the place where he'd been, his sinful past, being in the pig pen. They probably, his clothes probably stunk. And the father immediately gives the son a new robe, forgiveness. His past is washed away in a moment. The father immediately forgave him, immediately. Have you ever received someone's forgiven you just like that? I remember once years ago, I had so let some people down. And I remember Alan and Cynthia, they forgave me in a moment. Battling with all sorts of issues, they forgave me in a moment. Demonstrated, they demonstrated to me the Father's heart. 
They were quick to forgive. I didn't deserve it. It was unmerited. Are we quick to forgive? Or are we slow like the older brother? Standing on the fringes. The older brother still refers to, he refers to the younger brother who's come home. He refers to him by his lifestyle. As if that defines him. What he used to do defines him. The father will have none of it. The father is quick to forgive. The Pharisees were slow to forgive tax collectors and sinners. They're tax collectors and sinners. They're defined by their lifestyle. No, no, no. Jesus never, ever treated them like that. They were lost sons and daughters who he wanted home. When we come to Christ, he is quick to forgive us. So we have stopped evaluating others, Paul tells the Corinthians. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from uh, that way of thinking, from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Has become a new person. The moment you put your trust in Christ, the Father takes the old garments off you and gives you a new garment. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And if God forgives us so quickly, we must forgive others just as quickly. It says this in Colossians 3.13, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. Quick to forgive. The Father was quick with grace. He was quick to forgive, but he was also quick to give away authority. The ring speaks of of authority in the father's home. He just got home. He's going to ask to be a servant, but the father won't have any of it. Immediately the father says, give him a ring, the ring of authority. He is a son. He has authority in the father's home. He suddenly has authority over the servants. I mean, that's not wise, is it? He's just come home. You don't know what he's going to do. What, how's he going to behave? Has he learned his lesson? Has he changed his ways? Surely the older son is right to be unimpressed. No. This is grace. God gives gifts and calls people on the basis of grace. We struggle. How can, how can they be allowed to do that so quickly? I've been in meetings and I've thought that myself. How can that be? That doesn't seem fair. I'm looking at the externals. God is looking at my heart, my grubby older brother heart that is slow, slow with grace. You see, if we're waiting for people's lives to be all straightened out before they do things, before they have authority, we're in trouble because we're in the same boat because our hearts are pretty grubby on occasions and God still gives gifts to us by his grace. You see, that's why as a church we want to see people grow in gifting. We want to see them grow in authority. That's why we're having more people hosting the meeting, different people hosting the meeting. We're doing it deliberately. We're giving away authority. And sometimes you may think, well, who are they? 
Don't do that. Can I encourage you not to do that? Can I encourage you to celebrate the Father's goodness? Be quick with grace. The Father was also quick to draw into a relationship. He gives him sandals. Slaves didn't wear anything on their feet. Sons and daughters wore sandals. Immediately, the younger son is, he's a son again. The past is gone. He's forgiven, but the proof of it is now relationship. He has relationship with the father. In the father's home, there are only sons and daughters. And we become sons through Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. We immediately, Paul says, receive the full rights of sons. There's no period of proving. There's no probation period. Sadly, the older brother missed out completely. He continued to live like a slave when being a son was at his fingertips. At his fingertips. But he lived like a slave. quick. Are we quick to receive people in to the Father's home? That's why we have a welcome team. That's why we have a connect. We want people to be quickly connected, not to us, but first and foremost to a father. This is the Father's home. The third thing is this. We see the Father celebrates with gladness. A couple of weeks ago, our next-door neighbors had a party, and they were celebrating uh, long into the night. We couldn't see anything, but we could hear it. We could hear the sound of celebrating. Could see nothing, but could hear it all. Celebration is the telltale mark of the Father's home. The Father's celebration is something to behold. The older brother could hear it away off, and yet he found it offensive. Listen to this. He stood at a distance before he even knew his younger brother had come home. He was offended by the noise. This isn't what home should be like. We must be careful that we don't have our expectations. If we find home doesn't look like it used to, Maybe we find ourselves on the fringes, standing on the fringes, wondering what is all the fuss about. If you find yourself like that, struggling, maybe home, the Father's home here doesn't seem like it once was. Hear the plea of the Father. Don't miss my celebration. This is the Father's celebration. God is doing something amongst us. You see, if we don't celebrate when we hear stories of lost children coming home, then we're just as lost as the older brother. In the last two years, we have seen so many people's lives, people from unchurched backgrounds, their lives being changed as they've come to faith. They've come home. We've baptized 20 to 30 people 
And some of their stories have been so moving as how a father has come to them and met them and transformed them and they're on a journey. I don't know about you, but I've longed over the years for days like this. We're, we're seeing just a trickle of sons and daughters coming home and it's been messy. I want to tell you it's going to get messier. We want to be those who are like the father welcoming his lost son's home. The father's invitation is come and join in the celebration. Don't miss the celebration. Lastly, and we're drawing to a close now, the father was rich in generosity. I remember I was talking to Jonathan this week and he was saying that years ago they were talking about this story in a small group in another church and they were talking about what struck you about the story and someone in the room said, what about the fatted calf? Didn't go so well for him. (laughs) That's what the older brother was focused on. What about the fatted calf? You sacrificed a fatted calf. You never even gave me a goat. See, the father, immediately the son comes home. He's got this, he's got this calf ready for the celebration. The father is ready to celebrate. And as soon as his son comes home, he goes, quick, get it. We're going to celebrate. He's generous, rich in generosity. The older brother has a poverty mentality. Rooted in selfishness. What a waste. You never did that for me. There is a cost to being the father's home. There's a cost to being the father's home. It will cost us practically. There are moments practically when you think, well, how much does it cost to run Alpha? How much food do we waste how much do we videos we're doing videos of of it why are we doing that why are we paying for videos of stuff at the moment no 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 we have to celebrate we have to celebrate because the father's sons and daughters are coming home See, it wasn't just the father who celebrated, the whole household celebrated with him. All of heaven joins with the father when one son comes home, when one lost brother, one lost daughter comes home. We must learn to enjoy God's generosity, which we don't deserve. And if we do that, we will be generous with others who are coming home. The older brother could have enjoyed a fatted calf any time he wanted. The father tells him, everything I have is yours. It's all yours. It was yours anyway. You could have enjoyed it any moment. But he lived like a slave. Do we enjoy who we are and what we have in Christ? This, remember this. God's home is richer, not poorer, for everyone that comes in. God's home is richer, not poorer for everyone that comes in. Jonathan said that to me this week. Our responsibility as sons and daughters of God is to catch and embrace the Father's heart for ourselves and for others. And as we do that, we will increasingly become a community 
who welcome home lost sons and daughters to encounter the amazing grace of God. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, speak to us in your heart. It's going to be, this is a moment where we need to respond to the Father. We need to come in, draw near to the Father. And Phil will lead us through how we're going to respond. Maybe we'll sing first, but I'm going to lead us in prayer. I just want you to be open. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. And I pray that you would touch hearts. Holy Spirit, would you work in each heart here today? We want to be a people, Father, who have your heart. So Holy Spirit, come and work on our hearts. For those who don't know, but like the younger son, far from home, bring them home today. As they start to come home, may they find a father running for them. If there are people today feel they've been like the older brother, Father, would you, Holy Spirit, would you go and call them out, call them in. And Holy Spirit, come and help us be the Father's home in these days.